So as a dad, I've learned to cherish the moments with my kids around our dinner table. I mentioned it some last week, but when our family is at the table, life just seems to kind of slow down for whatever reason. And I think a a lot of it has to do with my own upbringing. Uh, When I was a kid, even when we had a, a busy week, our family spent a lot of time around our table, eating meals, talking about school, playing chicken leg dominoes or cards with my grandparents. Now, my dad, he often saw meals as an opportunity to teach us kids about manners. And I find myself doing the same thing with our kids today, reminding them to to wait their turn to talk, to to eat politely, to practice their, their best table manners, to take their plates to the sink when they're done. Now, there was this one time when we were growing up where my my cousins had come over for dinner and my dad was sitting directly next to me at the table. And and he kept reminding me to take my my elbows off of the table. And I was doing what the the youngest child in a family often does. I was was pushing buttons. I was pushing the limits. He'd remind me. I'd take them off for a minute, and then I'd, I'd kind of sneak them up on the table again to see if he'd notice, and he would, and he'd remind me, and I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And, and he finally got to this place where he joked and he said, if I didn't take my elbows off the table, he was going to poke me with his fork the next time he saw them there. So, of course, I pushed the limit. I smiled, I kind of snuck them up again and put them on the table, and I felt the jab in my elbow. I looked down and I I saw blood and, of course, I immediately started crying. He was shocked, too. My dad was shocked. And instead of picking up his fork, he accidentally picked up his steak knife. Now, I was fine. He was fine. Everything was fine. But you can bet that I didn't put my elbows on the table again. Now, my guess is that many of us learn manners around the table. It's often where we learn etiquette or culture, either something that we're taught directly or or something that we just pick up on at an early age. It's also where we learn what we like and what we we don't like, where our our palate for certain foods develops, where our tastes are revealed. Earlier we read part of Psalm 34, and verse 8 of that psalm says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. The Hebrew word for taste also translates as to perceive or to discover. It carries this connotation of unveiling a truth or finding something that was hidden. I I remember when we were introducing our our kids when they were babies to new foods, and and it it didn't take long on their facial expressions to, to tell if they actually like something because mmm, that's good, give me more or ugh, split peas, why, why are you giving me this stuff? So in the Gospel of John when Jesus is talking to a group of his, his first followers, he says if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He's talking about this tasting. He's talking about an unveiling, an invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and, and this morning, I want to suggest that every time we sit down around our tables at home, every time we set the table for a meal 
practice our manners, try a new food, we should see it as a reminder of that invitation to taste and see that the Lord is good. Our second scripture passage this morning tells of a story where Jesus sat down for a meal, as he often did, and as he sat down with these followers, a truth was revealed. It was after Jesus' crucifixion, Mary Magdalene and a few other women had, had already visited the tomb. They already had seen that it was empty. And two of the disciples were walking toward a town called Emmaus. And as they're walking, the risen Christ finds them on the road. And, and Jesus asks, what are you all talking about? And, and they, they kind of turn to one another and they turn toward Jesus. And they pretty much say, where have you been? Are you the only person in Jerusalem who, who doesn't know? It, it might be the same sort of response that someone might get today if they overheard two friends talking about our, our recent election, right? It, just assuming that everything in life was, was kind of the status quo. Everything was normal. Business as usual. Most of us would say, have you not been paying attention? Have you been living in a hole? This was a big event. And Jesus replies, well, what happened? Tell me, tell me, what, what, what happened? So they give him their perspective, starting at Luke 24, 19. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to be the one, that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of us are, some of, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and, and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. He, he, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and, and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if, as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with When he was at the table with them, he, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him, and, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So last Sunday, I mentioned that our identities as followers of Christ, who we are, 
our identities are, are shaped around the Lord's table. That somehow, even though we can't explain all that's happening, even though we can't explain exactly how, through the mystery of it all, communion forms us. It molds us. But the meals around the common table also form us, whether it's in our homes or, or somewhere else. So when we, we taste certain foods, we're, we're taken back to childhood or to a specific place. We, we remember grandma's chocolate sauce, mom's gravy, or a great aunt's secret recipe. We take a bite of a, of a hot dog and we think of a, a Dodger game with friends. We, we take a sip of, of coffee and we remember a conversation, uh, an important conversation we had at our favorite coffee shop. And just the other night, Haley, my wife and I both bit into corn on the cob from a farm in Camarillo and it was, it was eerie. We were both taken back to Malawi. This, this particular corn, there was just something about it that was unlike anything we had had locally here in California and reminded us of Africa. It's exactly the sort of thing that happens with Jesus and, and these two disciples. They, they walk with Jesus for what had to have been a, a decent amount of time, and it's not until they sit down, until Jesus gives thanks, until he breaks bread, that they remember that their eyes are open. All of a sudden, the conversation on the road made sense. All of a sudden, all that Jesus taught, the parables about God's kingdom, the meals with people on the margins, the debates with the religious elite, it, 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 all, it all came back. And now, here at this table, it all looked a little different. Luke writes that the, the revelation, that, that it forced them to, to turn to one another and, and ask, how did we miss this? Why weren't our hearts burning within us as we, we opened scriptures together? It, it, it's not the Bible lesson or the explanation of the recent events. It's the intimacy of a meal around a table that opens their eyes. So what do we do with this passage, what do we do with this story? There are all kinds of practices we can establish in our homes to help us to, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And there's at least three from, from this meal that, that, that help us as we set our tables. We can, we can slow down, we can give thanks, and we can make space. But so many of us, we, we hurry through our meals today. We eat in front of a TV, we, we pick something up while we're on the go, or we just pop something in the microwave real quick. When was the last time you cooked something from scratch? And if you're always cooking from scratch first, when this crazy COVID season is over, I want to come to your house for dinner. And, and, and secondly, when was the last time you tried something new? Something a, a bit more challenging, something that, that might actually take a, a little more time. Jesus and these two disciples, they approach the village and, and they slow down. They slow down. It, it even appears as though Jesus is, is kind of continuing on and the disciples say, whoa, 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 slow down. Let's take a break. 
Today, we would, we would probably kind of stop in in and out and then eat it in the car as we continued on the way. So I want to invite us this week in this season to resist the temptation to rush our meals. Let's, let's slow down. Then let's, let's give thanks. Have you thought about the rituals you form around the table? We already talked about how it was in the act of giving thanks and, and breaking bread that the disciples had their eyes open to Jesus. In, in the same way, manners and etiquette are set at the table. Rituals are established and passed. So, so our family's pre-meal pre, pre prayer is the same one that I learned from my parents. It, it, it's short. It's simple. It's probably one of the first phrases my, my kids memorized. So in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be launching into the Advent season. And, and that's a great time to start some new rituals yourselves. Maybe around an Advent wreath with candles or around an Advent devotional. What are the rituals that, that you're practicing? Slow down. Give thanks. And then make space. And what I mean by, by make space is make space to celebrate. As soon as the two disciples recognize Jesus is with them, they look to one another in, in amazement. And then they, they do what? They, they run to the others to share the good news. They can't contain it, so they want to share it with others. Now we're going to talk next week about sharing our tables with, with others but every time we gather around the table, we have something to offer another person. Maybe it's a recipe. Maybe it's a story. Maybe it's, it's simply a listening ear or the gift of time. Now, around our, our table at home in the roadie house, during dinner, we've started this practice of asking our kids to share the highlight of their day with us and with one another. Sometimes we have to prod a bit, but, but most of the time our kids are at the age that they, they see it as a, a time that's a gift to have a few moments where they have the rest of the family's attention. It's, it's something we celebrate. How are you making space to celebrate? When we're intentional with the way that we approach our tables and our homes, how we set them, we're invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. And we can do that by, by slowing down, by giving thanks, and by making space. Let's pray. Lord, I, I lift up my friends here in the WPC community. May our tables remind us that we are loved and that you are good. May our tables be a space where habits are formed that draw us near to you. We pray these things in your most holy and precious name. Oh, man.